It was a mixed bag of results for the Brisbane Raw over the weekend. We've got three games to talk about and a whole lot of developing news this week, and we're starting right now. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's the regular three with you again this week. James, Scott and Adam here on a Wednesday evening. And let's be honest, with the way things are unfolding at the moment, this episode will probably have run out of timeliness by the time you're listening to the replay on Football Nation Radio Lunchtime on Thursday. Guys, how are we? Yeah, good James. Scott? Yeah, Adam, James, good to see you both again. It may very well be out of date by them, but you never know. That's right. It seems like uh, in the few hours before we started recording this afternoon, just a whole bunch of stories are deciding to evolve right in front of our eyes, so I look forward to how things are going to change over the next 60 to 90 minutes that we're here at the table, and we'll see how we go from there. We should uh, say from the start, this is Podular Media Production, um, email uh, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, any comments, questions, discussion points, reviews, if you want to tell me I'm not all that smart or short, well, the latter's true. <laughs> uh, Facebook, The Raw Review, we're still working on changing that, but uh, Mr. Zuckerberg's dealing with a issue with Luke Skywalker at the moment. Uh, Twitter, at BNE Football. Podcast available, Wooshka, iTunes, uh, Spotify, TuneIn, a couple of other places, and you may be listening to us on Football Nation Radio. I think I've got all those promos down. Yeah, it's, I think that's all of them. Absolutely. It's been a busy day, hasn't it? Yeah, just a little bit, actually. We've got a lot to cover with you, but before we get into that, let's uh, go all the way back to a very sticky, muggy, unpleasant Saturday afternoon where... I'm going to need a little bit of help from you guys because, slight personal story, I watched the Raw City 2-2 draw through the fog of a couple of antihistamines after an allergic reaction to some uh, possibly tainted fish and chips. So, Scott, what the hell happened Saturday? Well, firstly, heat, humid, I didn't notice any of that at the game, but it was an interesting game, wasn't it? Because it was the polar opposite of what we've seen from the Raw all season long. I mean, the all season Raw have dominated possession and then been hit on the counter-attack with clinical opposition, and that's what the Raw did to Melbourne City. They had only two or three chances in that first half and took two of them at Brad Nimmin and look but for a probably a, a really wonder strike from Nathaniel Atkinson they could have got the three points in this game but I thought the City were the better side anyway particularly by the end of the game I thought they really ran over the top of the Raw yeah look it's, it's one of those ones where I think you'd be for the Raw you'd be happy that you know you scraped a point out because look Melbourne City they, they were you know in essence the better team but, um, yeah, and, and I think Melbourne City, on the other hand, I think they'd be pretty disappointed to, to drop more points up here in Queensland. And that actually answers my next question that I was going to ask the two of you. It does feel more like a good point for the Raw rather than a disappointing draw. And you'd have to say, like, with the way City have been travelling, yeah, OK, they've had their up-and-down Melbourne heart moments still popping through. But overall, like, they are still one of the top sides in the A-League this year. And the fact that the Raw were able to hold on and... Honestly, give them a bit of a scare, I thought. Like, le- especially late in that first half when they went up. They did go up before Yeah, they went up right on half-time, correct. Yeah, that's right. So, And two goals from uh, Brad Inman, who does look like he's really coming into form playing in that attacking midfield role rather than an out-and-out striker. I think it's a case of um, he, you know, since the bye, he, he, he seems to, whatever's happened, I think Rory Fowles referred to that he's a confidence player. And he's obviously, you know full of confidence and four goals in three games now and, and there's even, even talk now potentially that you know, he might be smoky for the Socceroos that's how well he's been going the last month so 
Yeah, he he's really sort of shown up. He's scoring goals at opportune times. It'd be nice if someone else also, you know, could pop up and score. But look, he's 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 in the form of his life at the moment. I think you can thank Daniel Garb for putting himself in for putting in manager Socceroos contention. I think someone on this show mentioned it in the season preview, didn't they? He might be a Socceroos bolter. I think we're going to have to delete that uh, recording if so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. Well, let's get Robbie Fowler's thoughts on the match, shall we? Look, I mean, we've. We've said all year. I think we're, we have been a team who've, who've dominated possession, uh, but the, uh, the the end result is the one that matters in terms of stats. So probably could have won the game in the end. Did we deserve to win it? Probably not. But you know, would have took her all day long. Um, you know, I can't fault our lads for effort. You know, I thought we were outstanding in terms of what we put in the game. Um, but look, you know, it's it, it's a good point against a, you know a very very good team. They really were. Um, but look, you know, we, we, we're in this game, we want to get as many points as we can, we want to get three points every game. Um, and in terms of the way we've played, in, in terms of possession, that was probably not one of our better games. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've not lost a game. So there's, there's plenty of positives out of it. Uh, you know, that's maybe three games undefeated, all right, two draws. Uh, you know, Brad Edmonds, you know, playing really well, scoring goals. Uh, defensively, we, we, we looked okay at times, you know, a little bit lethargic or laboured. Uh, but look, you know, I can't fault the boys for, for the effort he put in. All right, so that was uh, Robbie Fowler there. It seems like overall he was pretty happy with that effort. You two were actually at the press conference. How was his mood? It was pretty good, actually. You see, he was he was honest in terms of the fact he mentioned that they were probably lucky to get the point, but he was he wasn't he wasn't anything different to what he's been all see all every time you see him in the press conference. He was happy to answer questions. He was honest in his answers, and he had a bit of fun at the end. Yeah, um, it's almost the eternal optimist. I think he, he he truly believes that this side is close to finding their best. It, the, the result, while the results aren't there at the moment, you can actually see in the performances, other than probably that Sydney game where they just got completely blown off the park, um, you can see obviously in more and more in more and more frequency that the form is there and the performance are there. It's just like silly mistakes and you know. Defender switching off is what's costing him you know, at the moment. So, look, you can, you can tell Robbie Fowler's voice and the way he's answering his questions. He truly and firmly believes that the best of this side is, you know, it is close. It's just not there yet, and they've got to go over some of the, you know, the lats defending. You know, and look, and sometimes you just can't you can't defend stuff like um, Nathan Atkinson's goal. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't much you could do about that equaliser, but. I, I do agree absolutely with that, Adam. You can see he's starting to feel a lot more confident in the squad, which I suppose does give me a little bit of confidence in what I'm seeing as well, where you are starting to see players sort of learn what their roles are now. You're seeing players that maybe feel a little bit more confident trying to link up with those one-twos. And I do think they are starting to get on the right page. I still question whether or not a fully firing Brisbane Raw squad as it's currently constituted at 6.56 on Wednesday, the (laughs) 15th of January, as it's currently constituted, I do wonder if it's actually good enough to get the results they need to make themselves... You know, a team that you at least have to worry about come finals, but I am seeing signs of improvement. Yeah, look, there's there's about a week and a half to get the couple of players they need in to probably change that top six, but there's definitely signs of improvement, you're right. And look, it, it was a new squad back in June, July when it came together. It's, it's taken a fair amount of time to get to this point, but you are starting to see those combinations starting to form. And look, some of it's looking quite good. Again, up front, I thought that that Mercer and Amadi Holloway were quite good. I think the back line's looking a little bit a little bit stronger than what it was. It's just I think in that middle area, particularly creatively, if they can solve that problem, they can they can absolutely make a run at the competition in the second half of the year. But it's just it's going to have to I think they're going to have to bring somebody in because they, there's not enough creative options in that midfield I agree. at the moment. And especially with the uh, January movement window in <laughs> in flux at the moment, there is a chance that we could be seeing three or four changes to the squad in the next couple of weeks. Now, I'm going to test my production skills just a little bit here, and mm-hmm. we're going to actually play back-to-back clips. Uh, Robbie Fowler on firstly Brad Nimman and then um, Urza Muradovic. Well, he's a good player. You know, you think when, you know, no matter what level you're playing football, you know, if you are a good player, eventually you will shine through. And look, we've always had a bit of belief with Brad. Um, you know, on his day, he can be outstanding. But I think it's just getting that across to Brad. I think Brad's probably got to realise sort of how good he is. At times, you know, he comes in and you know he's a little bit down in the dumps. So we're trying to, you know, to, to get him on top of the game all the time. And I think his performance, certainly the last three games, um, I think have been excellent. You know, we've, you know, we as a club, you know, we, we looked at him early in the early in the season, uh, pre-season. He was he was really good. Uh, then he had a little bit of a lull in the, in the early games. Um, but you know, since he's been out of the team, you know, his attitude's been good. 
he's come in and you know he's asking all sorts of um, questions, um, you know, and he, he's 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 answering them himself. Of course, um, look, I think it's it's an education for every single player, you know, not just Mez. Regardless of how old you are, you know how you know how young you are, or how you know what type of player you are, we have a we have an idea of how we want to play. You know, and players have to adhere to to how we want to play. But if you're you know making silly mistakes, you know, it obviously doesn't help the team. But look, you know we'll all learn from it, not just Merza. You know, Merza's he's, he's proven he's a good player. You know, we we've seen uh, two performances from which have been really really good. Today he wasn't as good as what he has been. Uh, but it's a case of, of Mez and how he's. I think it's it's a case of us saying to him, you know, he, he's set himself standards, and any time he doesn't reach those standards now, then you know people will question that. So yeah, look, he's made a mistake. We won't go hard on him. Uh, he's a young lad, you know, making his way into the game, uh, and we'll, we'll help him. You know, we'll, we'll work through it with him. Okay, so Robbie Fowler there on uh, Brad Newman and Mirza Muradovic, two attackers that really have given that spark to the raw forward line. Obviously, like it's not producing, you know, free-flowing goals, you know, the way they did with Thomas Broich, but it is giving them something that opponents really do have to worry about in attack, where in the first couple of months we were seeing them, I suppose, getting a little bit stagnant, whereas now you've got that, you know, youthful energy and what we've been asking for for quite a while from Iman, and that's just the ability to fire at will. Also a bit more movement as well. I think Mertz and really brought that movement as well. I don't think it was his best game as you heard from Robbie Fowler and I don't think it was his best game either on Saturday afternoon. It I was think tough conditions. It so. was that. And I think that actually probably did take a lot out of him. The added intensity coming from Youth League to the A-League and also the heat and humidity is probably something he hasn't really experienced too much of before so that's probably why he had a bit quieter of a game but he still set up this first goal really nicely so he's still having an impact. No, I think as well with Mersmeravic at the moment um, you don't you don't want to be, be labelling, you know, trying to Categorise him by the number of goals he's going to score. Look, he's, he's a young player. He's 19 years old. He, you know, if he's if he, 20 uh, now. Tw- yes, he, sorry, he did. Yeah, happy birthday to him. Yep. Um, and it's, I guess it's a case of as long as he's involved in the play and the performance. You know, like like what we, we look at a lot of youth players. It's not always about the statistics. It's a lot about the performance. At the moment, he does look comfortable. You, you watch what you watch him go around watch him in the game, he actually he doesn't look like he's a youth player that's, you know, you know, eyes bright bright open and, you know, sort of in order of situation. He actually starting to look more and more comfortable every week and that's only a good sign and the goals will come eventually for him. I I'm, I'm loath to compare the two players because they are, you know, very different in their style of play, but I'm actually a little bit more impressed in what I've seen from Mersin Muradovic than what I was from Dylan Wenzel Halls last year. Now, I accept that, you know, Wenzel Halls was coming into a very, very different squad when he Finally got his extended run in the starting lineup, almost out of necessity. But I, I do like the way that Muradovic is able to link up with that midfield, just a little bit better than what we're seeing from what we saw from Dilmenzel uh, Halls, and I think that's also why we're seeing him get that extended run ahead of him. Yeah, it's also it's it's you know, it's different different tools and different types of players for different jobs. Mertz's got that link up ability. Wenzel Halls is sort of player who runs in behind. I think that could combine quite well if you ever saw that for any length of time because he would be able to make those runs Absolutely. off of Merza, but you're right, that sort of role that Mertz is being asked to play is not the way Dylan Wenzel Halls plays, and he was kind of asked, play that, asked to play that role a bit earlier in the season, and that's probably why we haven't seen the best of him so far. Definitely, it could just be a square peg in a round yeah. hole, but you're right, it seems like Wenzel Halls is just more of the, you know, I've got tunnel vision for the goal, which is something that you would actually be pretty happy to take from a striker, but it seems like Muradovic is just that little bit more cerebral but maybe not as intense. I think um, Muravich, I think he's he's been developed in the youth team as a number nine. No matter what side of team we've overseen, it be it MPL, be it youth league, he's always been that that striker up front, and I think he's honed his skills. Whereas Dylan Wenzel Halls, it's it's a funny one because you'd think that his his speed and goal and you know, sort of his ability to run at, at defenders is more akin to be you know he's an out and out winger. But we've also seen him at MPL level especially when he had that golden run where he was playing number nine for Western Pride and he was just destroying him up the middle. So I think it's a case of you know, identity with him where is with Dylan Wenzel Halls, what is the best position for him? Whereas we know what you're going to get with Merzim Ravage. He is a number nine and I think with all, you know, with all luck that you know, he'll be you know, the future striker for the Raw for, for a long time to come. Absolutely. Well, look, there's a lot to look forward to as well, but I am waiting for the Raw to try and produce that, you know, last goal, finish the game as strong as they can. And 
be the side that, especially at Suncorp Stadium, gets the crowd basically go, thinking, hey, you know, it might not look like it, but there's a great chance they're going to win the game. Yeah, that happened right at the end of stoppage time, obviously, with the um, chance of Brad Inman and in the corner, which should have been a corner that wasn't given. But before that, the last 15, 20 minutes, there wasn't much of that with the Raw. You think about all the previous, all the years prior with the Raw, under many different managers, if, if they're chasing points at home, you would often see them finish the game with a flourish, and we just did not see that on Saturday afternoon until about the 92nd minute, and that was a bit of a bit surprising because I think we all thought when we saw the conditions on Saturday, it was like, well, this is perfect for the Raw. It's hot, it's humid. Melbourne City coming up here, they're going to really struggle and fade over the 90 minutes, and I'm not saying that they didn't fade. They did, but the Raw also struggled a little bit by the end of the game. Probably more than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, and that's just, yeah exactly, and that's just the hallmark of, you know, of previous sides of the Raw, especially this time here at Suncorp Stadium. They're the ones that finish stronger, and we've seen some absolutely memorable moments as we went through you know, our decade review yeah. of games where the synonymous thing was Brisbane Raw coming home late in games at Suncorp Stadium at this time of year. It doesn't seem to be working out that way these days. Definitely. All right, well, overall, I think we're all pretty happy with that point. Good, you know, good point to pick up, and... You know, it's one step closer. It's a point gained, especially when you look at the results uh, around the A-League this weekend. We do have to make special mention of the Central Coast Mariners. Just ridiculous finish against Melbourne oh. victory as well. <laughs> what a terrible shame that was. <laughs> yes, and it did also lead to uh, Marco Kurtz's departure as well from Melbourne victory announced this morning, where, yeah, I, I, in the interest of consistency and full disclosure, he was the guy I wanted for the Raw. So... Yeah. yeah, well, that's two coaches who the Raw, I thought, should have hired, who've got a job previous, since then and done really badly, Marco Kurz and Gombau. So I think we should absolutely not listen to any suggestions that I make. Or, same with you, James, because... It I didn't, suggested it did, Arsene Wenger. I it think did, he would have done all right. <laughs> he might have, but it didn't work out well for Kurz that victory did it, and I'm, I think we're all devastated by that fact. Yeah, I, I think just, just on that on that uh, that game, look, it's uh, people we say... PK League. But I tell you what, if you're a neutral, it's hard not to be entertained by that, it, it, no matter what. So it might have been half of being a Mariners supporter or a Victory supporter, but jeez, uh, that was entertaining. I've just got to go on a little side rant here. I hate that phrase, PK League, because... <laughs> it happens so often. Well, it's o- A, it's overused, and B, it's, I just it just screams condescension to me. Where, you know... It, I, think like, it's, I think it's men condescension. I think it's... I know, that's and, the whole point. I know, but the problem is... It, not necessarily you, Adam, but no, a no, lot no. of the times I see no. it on Twitter, it yeah. comes from people who quite clearly don't watch football outside of YouTube videos or Twitter or whatever it is. Oh, now. look, for, for me, if you could actually, if this was an audio medium, I'd actually be doing big peak. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. So, yeah, that's how I'm describing it. So, yeah, but yes, it is meant as condescension. And yeah, I look like really that. And, like, yeah. talk about, you know, crazy finishes. The highest club competition in the world, the Champions League, had that every single match day last year where you had these crazy finishes all brought on. So, What's Champions League? <laughs> it's this competition our clubs used to play in. Oh, but, that uh, thing, yeah. Yeah, now it's, now it's the uh, pantheon of um, bearded glasses hipsters. Okay. Formerly mid-table clubs. Yeah, with the, okay. with the hubcaps. Okay. But yes, I just... <laughs> the A-League is fantastic for this sort of stuff, but... Acting like it's the only league that with just this sort of crazy, wild stuff going on is unbelievably naive and close-minded, oh, yeah. which just yeah. sums up Twitter. Oh, oh some of those Eastern European leagues. Oh, geez, you think yeah. you think this is this is peak? Yeah. Wow. It, it does seem to happen a fair yeah. bit in the A League, though. To be fair, you seem to get but one of like these. You at least get one of these at least every week. I mean, you don't see it quite as often overseas. I just feel like that's because we see we see a whole lot more of the A League than we would say the. You know, Dutch league or something. That's true. I That's true. I, did, I I had to go on that rant anyway. We should have finished a few minutes ago for this segment. Um, we'll be back after this to talk about the W League and Y League. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you today. Whether you're listening to us via podcast, Football Nation Radio, or you're just sitting outside my house, eavesdropping on us. Really? Hello, everyone out there. <laughs> yes, anyway. Uh, segment two, we're going to talk about, well, more rule games. We're going to lead off with the W League side picking up what was absolutely their biggest win of the season. 4-0 over Western Sydney Wanderers. 
Nice little bit of revenge for that uh, clash at Lions Stadium in November. Absolutely. And look, we've talked about it all season long. This side is capable of competing with the very best. And on Sunday afternoon, we absolutely saw it. They were they were phenomenal on Sunday afternoon. They, they completely controlled the game, particularly in the second half. They were just... They overran the Wanderers. And the combinations we started to see were really, really good. I mean, this was this is what we've been waiting for from the Raw. And it, it was necessary given the stage of the season that we're at, but... If this is what we can, if this is what we can see from the Raw consistently from here on out, they're absolutely a challenger. This, this was, a, this was a statement win by, by the Raw, and we've been calling for weeks that they, that you know, while they're beating up teams, lulling them, they need to take a big scalp. And did they take a scalp? And that's that's when a period between the 50th minute and the 70th minute where they scored four goals. That's probably some of the best football I've seen in W League. This season, not just just from the raw. Yeah. I think just that was that was just merciless. You know the way they they took them apart, and yeah, the the goal that Leah Davidson scored, that would be up there. I, for me, it's goal season. Yeah. The one that yeah. did Leah Davidson scored at the end, not because of what she did. She did the tap in, but the interplay right back from Mackenzie Arnold right down to where Davidson tapped in. That was just you know that was just brilliant football, and they yeah. can't still speak highly enough. But I think. This is this. I think this is going to be, you know, the game. Hopefully, that really gets them on a roll and you know, gives them no opportunity. I think it might be a bit. The table might be a bit too far to catch the top teams, but certainly it's going to give a lot of teams something to think about in the run home to the finals. If you make fourth, you can make it to the finals because Perth did it last year. But that goal, remember the goal Liam Miller scored. Yeah, you know what? I thought the exact was, same thing when I watched it. Extremely similar, but I think having Slesbury at the back actually really helps that because you've got a player there who can play the ball out from the back and. That seems to be the way the Raw want to play, and if you've got a, midfield, a defender like that who's normally a midfielder who has an elite range of passing, it really does help you in that role, and that, that's actually where the move started from as well. It was a terrific move, and I think we've, it wasn't just the only one in the game. There were three or four yeah. others like that which were really well worked, and I thought the, I don't think the Raw had a bad play on on, on Sunday afternoon, including Isabel Dalton, who was playing an unfamiliar right-back role. I thought she did quite well there as well. Another technically gifted midfield type player you've got a lot of them on the field now for the Roar and you're starting to see those combinations between good players on the field it is one of those you know areas that I do feel like they might have upgraded with the you know unfortunate departure of Jenna McCormick for Melbourne victory but it does mean that I do think that is one thing that uh, she has really brought to the squad moving uh, Beret to the back is just that ability to play it out from defence and you you do kind of miss her in midfield still i Still think that's where she really should be playing, but I, I can see the benefits of putting her at the back. But my overall thoughts on the game, just quickly, was this is what Jake Goodship was talking about at uh, Redcliffe a couple of weeks ago. We were saying like this side is absolutely capable. That's what you were saying, it, and it's right. Like it absolutely justifies his faith in the squad. Well, just a, a couple of things on that is that firstly, I, I tweet on my personal Twitter account that so whatever. Whatever Jake Goodchip said in that huddle on Thursday last Thursday night obviously worked. But also as well, with the inspirational side, I think also the personnel changes that may bring... Obviously, at least Callum Knight starting in that holding midfield. She, she was she was brilliant, just yep. everything that we expected. I think the real telling one was Lyra Toby back in starting line, playing at number nine yep. role. What it seemed to do was basically straightened up the attack. That, that with Lyra Toby, who's just an out-and-out... You know, goal poacher. She's a, she's number nine, which meant that Riley Bass and, and Hayley Rasso, even though they were they were changing sides, they were playing as true wingers rather than cutting into the middle. And I think it was just a much clearer game plan attack. And lo and behold, four goals in 20 minutes, and they they, they absolutely um yeah they they beat Wanderers pretty comprehensively. That and that is something that you know I feel like is universal across all football. Make it simple. Like, they're running around at full speed, you know, A-League, W-League, Premier League, La Liga, whatever. Make it simple. Don't make them think too much and just give them a couple of simple tasks to do. And that's something that I do remember, you know, John Aloisi was always saying back when he was the Raw's manager as well, like we were talking to him and he was saying, you know, I want my players to just be able to play freely and not spend all the time thinking, okay, should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? And I think we are seeing the dividends you mentioned there, Adam. Yeah, I think it's the football's a simple game, really, isn't it? But I think we uh, uh, twenty-two guys kick the ball around the pitch, and in the end, the Germans win. Something like that. But look, you know, Adams, Alira like, Toby did really straighten the roar up, and I think she had a real big point to prove because only I think she only played a couple of games right at the start of the year, and then has been left out with the likes of India Page, Riley, Riley Bayston. I think Anna McGrath's played up there as well. I mean, all of whom have had good moments throughout the season, but Alira Toby, you think is the um, 
the Brisbane W League Golden Boot winner for the last two years. It's somebody who was probably looked at as, right, Alira is going to score the goals as this side and hasn't been playing for majority of the season. And Adams, right, when she did play on Sunday afternoon, had a massive impact, not just with the two goals that she did score. She had had three or four other really good runs, which could have been rewarded on another day with even more goals. So it had a massive impact in the game. I also thought Hayley Razzo was fantastic in the on the left-hand side once again. I think if you think about who might be the Raw's best player of the season at W, I think Hayley Razzo now would have to be the clubhouse leader at the moment with the impact that she's having and scoring a terrific goal as well. Hands down. Like, oh, Hayley Razzo's yeah. been good for, for every game since yeah. round two. And that's, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, even when she's had sort of an off day for her, she's still probably the best two or three yeah. players in the park. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, far and away, if we're, if we're picking player of the year at the W League at this point, she's she's a mile ahead. And that's no respect to many of her teammates, but, yeah. Yeah, she is the one that makes a difference. All right, I'm just pulling up the ladder to make sure I've got everything uh, correct here. So, that win kept the Roar in uh, fourth place. They're th- now three points behind Western Sydney, although the Wanderers do have a game in hand. And they're five points behind... Thursday night's opponent, so tonight if you're listening to us on Thursday, and yesterday if you're listening to us on Friday, uh, their opponent's Sydney FC. So it's a game at Leichhardt Oval for Thursday night football, and, well, it's another big test for the Raw. It is. Look, Sydney's been the team who's been their kryptonite for many years, and I think Caitlin Ford is playing in this game, unfortunately, and because Caitlin Ford has been the player who has tortured the Raw time and time again. And I think, look, this would be a... This will be a really good test for the Raw to see if they can back up what was a terrific performance away in Western Sydney on Sunday. I think it's, they've got a good chance to do it because Sydney FC played in Canberra on Monday morning, so they're on a, on Monday afternoon, I should say, and they're they ha- they're on a very short rest. If you think about it from their point of view, it's been a very short week for them in terms of preparation. The Raw had a really really impressive win. They ha- I think if they can replicate that performance, they have a real chance against Sydney FC. Yeah, absolutely, and I think what we do need to see uh, from that forward line again is a similarly ruthless performance where if you get a couple of chances, you need to get a couple yeah. of goals. And while, while Caitlin Ford, who's been who's been linked with a move away from Sydney, who's been named... One in of the, the best squad. clubs in uh, all of Europe. In yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, one of the we'll, best we'll clubs that, in We'll do that London. in the next segment. But um, <laughs> yeah, but also as well, the team news as well for the Raw, Tamika Yallop is back. So that, that does um, make it really, really interesting about this, this sign lineup because even... The, the natural change from the uh, game on Sunday would be uh, to Mickey Yelp in for Holly Palmer. But look, Holly Palmer had a decent game as well. Look, as, as you, I agree, I don't think there was a raw player on Sunday that had a bad game. I think they, they were all magnificent. I think this is, you know, you'd be confident if they can show up every week, especially come finals, that, this, that they can go close to challenging. That was a real surprise, those seeing not seeing to Mickey Yelp in the squad. You have to think it might have been some sort of late injury. Or related issue, or, or something related to maybe the smoke yeah. in Western Sydney. Maybe because she accidentally you, came into contact with some prawns. Who knows? But <laughs> that's what you did. But anyway, yeah. I do think that it was a real surprise that Tamika didn't play because I think she's had a really good season as well. And I, I was certainly surprised when she wasn't on the team sheet on Sunday. Definitely, especially being asked to play a few different roles as yeah, well. Absolutely. What we've seen from Yelp. All right, so that was a good part of the weekend, or the best part of the weekend for the Raw. Now on to the, well, we can't put it any uh, differently. The worst game of the weekend for the Raw, which was the Y-League failing to back up from a good win over Perth and having a shock loss to Adelaide United, 3-1 in Adelaide. It was a big letdown, wasn't it? It's all about missed opportunities. Given the other result in this group on Sunday afternoon, they could have wrapped up the conference with with a result in Adelaide, but it's not to be. And now they're going to have to rely on Adelaide and Melbourne Victory to play out a draw in the final round because they're still one point clear at the top of the conference A, but the second and third teams play each other. A win for either of them will see Adelaide or Melbourne victory win the conference. A draw would see the Raw get their own goal difference, but it's completely out of their hands now, and that's what Chris Grossman was trying to avoid when we talked to him up in AJ Kelly Park a couple of weeks ago. He was, we want to put the pressure on Melbourne victory, keep the keep the pressure on them, put the ball in their court, but now it, I'll, keep, keep, I'll, I'll keep the Raw in, in the ascendancy, but now it's, it's, a real, it's a real difficult one for the Raw. They're going to be following this on social media, I imagine, sweating bullets for a couple of hours, hoping that it ends in a draw. Otherwise, for them, the attention turns to the NPL. Yeah, the one thing that is working in the Raw's favour with this, though, is the fact that they've got a, a far, far superior <laughs> goal difference in both of these uh, sides, Adelaide and Melbourne victory. Um, yeah, that game, Saturday 25th of January, 9.30am, so... A couple of weeks time. Yep. It's Co- not this weekend coming. No. Okay. For some reason, round nine is being played over two weekends. You've got Western Sydney Wanderers and Sydney FC at Marconi Stadium, 5 p.m. Saturday evening. So there's that. 
Adam, let's just quickly get your thoughts on the game. Yeah, it's um, it was a yeah a lot of missed opportunity. I think that's all we can put down to is that even that they I think that they were down early, they were down quickly. Um, Adelaide did play a couple of uh, senior players. Lachlan Brook was back. Uh, Mirko Boland returning from injury also played in that game. Uh, I, from what from what I gathered from the uh, from the Twitter feed, uh, Jai King Byrne was was very very good for for Adelaide. But yeah, look, missed opportunity. Uh, there was a bit of hope when Kai Tapaldo scored after 20, 20 minutes, but it just it seems though, yeah, that they, they were never really you know, in in the uh, in the game. And yeah, it looks now it's out of their hand. Their total defence is out of their hands. It was a much younger side for all of them in years past. Obviously, the A League mm-hmm. side was playing up in Brisbane on Saturday afternoon, and given the issues with the injuries around the world, they didn't have too many players to send down to Adelaide. I don't think any. I think it was Aaron Reardon and Kai True might have been yes. the only senior contract players who made the trip, and they're two young players in any event. It was a, a really true young Ross, if you want to put it that way, without any A-League squad players joining the fold for the game. Yep, well, it's one thing that you never want to have to rely on as a football club, and that's leaving uh, anyone leaving anyone else, well, leaving your fate in someone else's hands. I think I got that right. Anyway, we're going to take a break and come back and talk about what is probably still some uh, developing news. We'll be back after this. This is a Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, it's the third segment of the Brisbane Football Review here. It's James Scott and Adam, and very pleased that you're listening to this Brisbane-focused football podcast. Wow, my English is... Is that, is that the full name of it? I have no idea. We'll make it the full name of it now. Yeah, it, sounded, my, it sounded really good and official. Let's go with that. Let's... let's Alright. Well, since uh, we're making executive decisions, uh, let's get a vote on which transfer story we want to touch on first. Scott, A or B? Uh, let's go for B. Okay, Corey Brown. <laughs> Who was A? Scott McDonald. Oh, okay. But we'll go for Corey Brown, because that does seem like it's had a little bit more concrete movement in yeah. the last 24 hours, which you can actually keep up to date with. A lot more concrete feedback, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, well, you can follow that on our, our social accounts. Uh, the Raw Review on Facebook and at BNE Football on Twitter will be posting any and all player movement updates, whether it's through mutual terminations or carrier pigeon, I'm not quite sure. Speaking of mutual termination, I think Corey Brown was... Mutually terminated from the Melbourne victory at about six o'clock this evening. So yes, that that is that that first half of it is official, and he's been strongly linked to the Brisbane Raw. Yes, thanks for thanks for uh, getting me back on track because I was about to make a joke saying I think he was mutually terminated from the victory the same way my high school girlfriend uh, mutually terminated our relationship. Highly possible. It might also be the same way that Marco Kurz was mutually terminated from the Melbourne (laughs) victory as well. Might have been the same the same person, the same message. You never know. Yeah, might have both into the same room at the same time. So you're mutually terminated, and yep, and so are you, by the way. All right, stand up if you're still involved with Melbourne Victory. Uh, you two can sit down. <laughs> Something like that may have happened. You never know. Yes, exactly. And um, I forgot to make this joke in the uh, first segment when we were talking about the departure of Marco Kurtz. Given Victory's hiring practices, I look forward to the announcement of John Aloisi in about 36 hours. One thing is, he was, he was supposed to get the job in the off-season, wasn't he? He was one of the names linked yeah. with it, yeah. But anyway, back to the Raw. Corey Brown. He had one phenomenal season with the Raw. Unfortunately, it didn't quite, you know, uh, he didn't quite build on that and had what was a pretty poor final season with the Raw, something he uh, spoke about in, in an interview with Marco Monteverde before his return in December 2018 with the victory. I've just got to wonder, exa- I, I failed to see the logic of bringing him back because it feels like out of the, you know, 11 positions on the field, left back is probably one of the ones that the Raw are at the deepest at. Yeah, this uh, this move um, is quite perplexing, actually. And look, I, I got nothing against Corey Brown as a player. I just think, at the moment, the way the squad is built, I just do not see how he is not surplus requirements right now. You, at, at the moment, Jack Hingott's going right, left back, and he's and that's not even his best position. You've got young Isaac Powell, Connor O'Toole. While the rumour is that he's on the move, as as, as of right now, he's still a Brisbane Raw contract to play and even and even a, um, a player like um, Jordan Courtney Perkins has been linked has, has been linked as far as you know being a future left back for the club so uh, I just yeah I, I just it's, it's, it's a perplexing one I, I just don't know what it adds to the raw you know to try and trying to build up and you know it's a be I thought it's be an opportunity for one of the youth players to really sort of, you know, get a hold of if it wasn't so sort of Jack Hingott who's holding the fort obviously because you have Scott Neville you know playing his trade on the right-hand side. 
of, of, of fullbacks. So, yeah, this one is it's, it's a perplexing one, and it looks like that looks like it's going to happen. So we'll have to wait and see what does happen. I don't. I understand your point. I don't think it's the necessarily the worst thing in the world. I think Conor O'Toole is probably going to move on at some point, and I think Jordan Courtney Perkins, as much as he's been fantastic at left back, I think his future is at centre back. So I think at some point he will eventually move into the either back two or back three, whatever you want to say. And Jack Ingott may very well end up back on the right-hand side at some point soon and, and with Scott Neville moving into the centre-back position. So maybe there's a spot there, but I think there has to be at least one full-back moving on for this to have any sense at all because if it's if it's just add Corey Brown to the mix and no one leaves, I, I agree with you, that's completely overloading the squad in a position where there's a good amount of depth for right now when you could allocate that roster spot to a player further forward and maybe another position of need, but... If there's players moving on, I think it might not be the worst idea in the world. It seems to be the strategy as well. You think who they've looked at. They looked at Michael Zulo. They looked at Luke Bratton. Now looking at Corey Brown. It seems to be looking for players from this part of the world to join join the Brisbane Roar or return to the Brisbane Roar in this case because that's because that, we haven't heard too many rumours of players outside of those three in the last few months. Oh, McDonald, but that's we'll get to in a minute. But that's the, that's the one outlier. It seems to be that the that the strategy is let's get as many Queensland players back to the Brisbane Roar and. If that's the strategy, I get it. I don't know if Corey Brown's necessarily a first-choice left-back. I think it's fair to say, to your point, James, he's regressed in the last 18 months in terms of his performance. There's a reason why victory moving him on, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, uh, I think it can work as a squad player. I just think that it's an interesting one to work out who would be the first-choice left-back in that position. Does he come straight back in the starting lineup? If he does, where does that leave Jack Ingott and then the domino effect from there? I've got I've got two thoughts on this, sorry, Adam. I just want to get them out before I forget because, you know me, senile. Uh, first of all, like, I would actually recommend going and uh, finding that uh, interview he gave to Marco about 13 months ago because he was honest about where things went wrong in his uh, final season at the Roar, I think. And apologies to Marco if I'm misremembering this. But he said something about, you know, he was a little bit overweight, maybe just wasn't completely committed because he had one eye on his next contract. And that would be, a you know, he might come back a little bit hungrier, a little bit more willing to work and show that he does, in fact, belong at the very least in the A-League. Now, I do think, and I do think that you do need two pacey attacking fullbacks. And I bring everyone back to, was it the start of the 20? 18-2019 season, where we did see in pre-season, Jack Hingott and Corey Brown, but actually it was the 17-18 season, my bad, where in pre-season we saw that back three with Hingott and Corey Brown operating as those fullbacks, and I do actually think Corey Brown is very well suited to those roles when he's on his game. Now, unfortunately, consistency was one of those issues that did plague him in his uh, seasons with the Raw, but if he gets a chance... Okay, I still am going to need to be sold on it, but I don't know. You're right. He, he, they do need to move on one, if not two, left backs to make it work. I just question whether this is this is just a temporary fix to get through the next six months. You know, maybe as as the injury cover or whatnot. Because it, you you have to think. Well, I I pose this question. What is what has Isaac Powell done wrong other than being 18, 17, 18 years old to not deserve an opportunity? You know, I think. I think it's a, it's a case of are they looking at this? You know, he, look, we all know Jack Hinger playing at left back is probably a temporary solution. Yeah, because he, like his preferred back is the right hand side. And if Conor O'Toole's being moved on, then wouldn't that behoove that you know Isaac Powell be the one at least have the first shot, not not bring a player like Corey Brown, who, as I said, nothing personal, but you know, like I said, we talked about the you know, recycle, you know, the recycling A League. This is a classic case of of recycling, you know, especially back to a club that you know that he left. Who's to say he wouldn't be the first choice over Corey Brown in a, in a reasonable period of time? Though? I mean, because he's been in the squad a lot this year, Isaac Powell. I think he probably deserves more playing time than he's been getting. But I don't necessarily think the signing of Corey Brown means that Isaac drops further down the pecking order. I just think it's like a swap out. You take out Conor O'Toole, you put in Corey Brown, and then that might be a two left backs going forward for the next season: Corey Brown and Isaac Powell, because. Again, I, I still believe that Jordan Courtney Perkins is a is a centre back. Yeah, no, that, that I, th- I, I think he has to move yeah. in. I think he was excellent at left back, but I think he's much better suited to centre back, and I think that has to be the plan. Definitely, and look, there's a lot to play out. And best case scenario, it kind of plays out like the goalkeeping situation, where you know if they are the two left backs, Powell and uh, Corey Brown, they're pushing each other, basically going, all right, who's going to be the um, who's going to be the next, yeah. who's going to be the uh, starting player, and 
you know, who's going to be the Jamie Young that steps up and makes a uh, job his own? Now, I have to go let the dog out. So, Scott, why don't you tell us what's going on with Scott McDonald? Oh, so Scott McDonald has been, obviously, this is a never-ending saga, this one. Western United are apparently trialling a player in the front third. They still haven't agreed to release Scott McDonald. There's a story from Marco Monteverde this week, or just today, actually said that that deal could be done as soon as the weekend. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I think it eventually will happen. I think it's just a matter of Western United want to find a player first before they let him go at him. And I think that would be the smart thing if you're thinking from Western United's point of view. You just don't, you just don't mutually terminate a player without you know, finding you know, an adequate replacement or at least you know, a sign that a player is going to come in. And, and yeah, look, at the end of the day, it's the same, it's the same sort of principle say about Corey Brown. You know, but I, th- I think it's a case of I think, you know, Scott McDonald. I think he might have a little bit more value. I think it's an area where the Raw do need, do need to sort of you know, to strengthen up a little bit. His contribution, as far as that goes, look, that's, that's up in the air, especially at his age. But surely, you know, from experience, we spoke about last week, experience-wise, that's obviously giving me some benefit. But, yeah. but still yeah, not, I'm still not sure about that. I still think that mm. I still think that Scott McDonald might be a bit of recycling as well, because the yeah. Raw do have four yeah. centre forwards, plus Jai Ingham, who is still, oh, again, he's still in the books for the Raw. He he can play in that front third area. So you're talking about overloading. That would be five or six centre forwards for two positions. I think that's. That might be a bit of overkill. And I think, again, I think I said this last week, Mertz Muradovic fills a lot of, ticks a lot of the box that Scott McDonald would have fit, would have been brought in to tick. So I'm not 100% sure he is the right fit. I think we, we actually, it's funny that, you know, we have opposing views on, the, on different players. I think, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I, so I'm, I'm sort of, you know, a bit miffed about Corey Brown and he seems to be miffed about Scott McDonald. Uh, I'm miffed about both of them, if that counts for anything. <laughs> but I, I just keep coming back to, similar to the left-back situation, are we sure that it's better giving Scott McDonald a run compared to Dylan Wenzel Halls? I'm, uh, I'm not sure about that. I think that the, again, yeah, you talk nah, about you met this old mm. use the same argument you made about Isaac Powell and put the, the substitute yeah. in the name Dylan Wenzel Halls because it's the same same argument. He he needs playing time as well. I think a, a Scott McDonald probably comes in, along probably pairing a Marty Holloway, Muradovic, and O'Donovan probably on the bench most weeks. Where does that leave Dylan Wenzel Halls? It's, it's an interesting question. He might have to move on if that scenario actually happened because if, that would if only be, yeah. there was a loan system available where he could go to a club like I don't know Newcastle and play for the next six months don't create crazy ideas yeah. That's, that makes that'll never that'll sense. never catch on something like that alright there's a lot to still unfold so stay tuned to our social accounts we'll keep everybody as up to date as we can with all of this um, and we'll just have to keep go- moving on. There was also a possible link to James Troisi with the Raw in Marco's article. Yeah, I'm not buying that one. We'll wait. I'd we'll love it to happen because he might solve the problem, but I just don't think it's okay. going to happen. I we'll- wouldn't think Adelaide would want to um, dispense them unless, unless something's happened with him and Gershon Verbeek. Um, yeah. Like, we'll I, put that yeah. in the uh, let's deal with it next week category, oh. shall we? Yeah, if it comes I, up I don't, again. I don't think it will come up again. I don't think the Raw could fit him in the salary cap. I think he's on good money at Adelaide, isn't he? Yeah. Marquee, isn't so he? you'd have to... If you're trying to match that, that's going to be a number of players moving on. Hmm. All right, another transfer rumour going around. We've spoken about Sam Kerr's move to Chelsea and Caitlin Ford's rumoured move to Arsenal. And uh, Adam, it looks like your English club might be picking up uh, Royal Blue Ribbons. Yeah, look, if I didn't love Hayley Rasso enough now, she comes toffee. No, just do, do, uh, seal it for me, because uh, yeah, no. But look, in all seriousness, um, and the the FA Super League at the moment is the hottest women's league in the world at the moment, and to have to see Sam Curry there, Caitlin Ford apparently going, and to see a number of other players, including Haley Rasso, who again I think has been far and away the best player for the Raw season in the W League, to get, get the opportunity to her to go in the top league in the world, I think that'd be great for her. Um, Ten games to go in in that um, in that league over there. I think it's a few sort of you know questions. You know, is it worth it? But I think in one game would be would be worth it. You know, for, for any you know player because yeah, it, it is it, it is the hottest league in the world. It wouldn't just be for this year. It'd probably be for next season and the year after as Two well. Two and a half years. Yeah, you think so. And I think also as well, what the I think what also needs to be cleared up as well is that uh, who actually Haley Rasso belongs to as far as contracts go because uh, it was long held at least last season that Portland Portland Thorns actually the ones that that hold the contract. But so trying to read up on it today and doing a bit of research, I actually got a feeling Brisbane Raw now are uh, the owners of her contract. So. Maybe maybe a transfer fee. I, I look. I don't know. And look, and this may be for next season as well. 
Let, let's hype side for the sake of the W League. If this move happens, you wish Hallie all yeah, the best because I think it's it's a, it'd be a great move for her. I think it's something we're going to have to get used to with women's football now in, in Australia that our best players are going mm. may not be playing in the W League much longer. We've always had them here. We've enjoyed watching them here, but that may not be the case in the prime of their careers. James mentioned Sam Kerr's moved on. Caitlin Ford seems like she's going to join Arsenal at some point. Hallie Rasso now might be joining Everton. I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two other players who are strongly considered for moves in that part of the world, or not just not just in England. You might think Spain. I think Alex Chidiak's in Spain. Yep. The French league's extremely strong. The Italian league is getting stronger yeah, as well. Lisa, the German league. Lisa Devanna's there. Is yeah. in you know plays for Fiorentina. Emily Gildnick playing for Bayern Munich yep. in the German women's league. So the Europe at the moment is the hotbed for women's football, yep. which you know. Five years ago, seemed it seemed to be you know, unthinkable. Like it used to be, the US used to be the place to be, but it's now they've obviously gotten together. UEFA have gotten together pretty much, and like these leagues are you know, a lot of money. And yeah, I just think the W League at the moment it's gonna it's gonna struggle to compete at least financially for a lot of these women. It's also the NWSL is gonna have to struggle to compete. That's where a lot of these players typically play in the in the in the winter months. Here they go over to America. Now they may not even need to go to America if you get your contract in Europe. You're all set. That, that, yeah, that mm. probably sets you up because it's a longer season and it does set you up perfectly, you're right. Yeah, definitely. And it also, I think, is going to be a, a much, much higher level of competition. My only concern is, though, with the beating Hayley Rasso has taken in the W League, I've seen Sam Kerb already be on the end of a couple of crunches. Oh, yes, you're so right. Oh, welcome, I, I, welcome to the um, yeah. Super League. Oh. I, I do worry a little bit about uh, Rasso's safety, but we'll... Uh, it will be good for the national team, oh, yeah. though. You're competing at a higher level. Oh, yeah. We've seen the European teams in the World Cup. There were some terrific teams, and if you're competing with those players on a weekly basis, it's only going to take your game to the next level. Hmm. So, so I look forward to seeing how the national team goes on the back of this, definitely. if this trend continues. And the good news as well is uh, the Women's Premier League in England, I forget. I forget why I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. I'm having a really bad night tonight. I apologise. <laughs> You're not the only one, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is also available on Optus Sports, so well worth uh, being able to watch that. I would yes. say. Yes, if you've got Optus, you should watch it. Absolutely. Adam might watch some Amazon games now. Yeah, my, my, my should watch more than the men at the moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, now just um, just quickly, just looking at uh, obviously Arsenal as well. You know, Caitlin Ford going there. Obviously, the the, the highest player in, in the world at the moment is, is Vivian Midema, and she's just scoring for fun at the moment. So to, to link up with that, yeah. so look, it, it is. Like I say it's like we we think W League's right at the moment, but um, yeah, the the Women's Super League in England, that's it is the hottest comp at the moment in the world. I just wish Caitlin Ford left before this week. Yes. <laughs> Well, you never know. All right, final news story that we're going to touch on in this segment. Uh, the Oli Roos and their campaign for a Tokyo berth continues with progression in the in their tournament. So uh, they're through to the quarterfinals and they're going to face a Group B runner-up on January 18th. Yes, it looks like it may very well be Qatar or Saudi Arabia, depending, depending on how that shapes out tonight in not Wednesday night in their final group, in that Group B, the final games. But this quarterfinals, I think it's the most important game in the tournament for the Oli Roos because if they can get through this game, they then get two cracks at making the Olympics. Because if, if you make the semi-final, you get two chances. Because you, if you win your semi-final, you're in, in automatically. And if you lose, you just get the third-place playoff to have a second chance at it. So I think if they can get through this quarter-final, which Saudi Arabia and Qatar... Look, Qatar's a, a growing force, unfortunately, in, in Asian football. But if they can get through that game, that does set you up for a really good opportunity. I think they'd play South Korea from memory in the semi-final, which that would be a tough ask to beat the South Koreans. But... Again, even if, even if they do beat you, you still get that third place playoff with somebody else to give you another chance. But I would, I think they have a reasonable chance to get through. They seem to be able to, they seem to be strong in the games at the moment, getting a couple of goals. If they can just tighten up slightly at the back, they might be able to get through. Yeah, just just quickly on that, just just looking at the Group B ladder from perspective of um, Australia's opponent. I think I think also as well, um, it, it's it's still it's a, it's a three-way go at the moment because Qatar are actually sitting in third going to this game. They play Japan, which it seems to be the easy game, but Syria and Saudi Arabia. You know, so it could be it could be any one of those three teams. I think I think Syria as well in that quarterfinal and they're going on. That that could be one hell of a, a fairy tale story. So let's hope not the Socceroos' expense. But um, not soccer, I mean the Oli Roos, I should say. But but yeah, that that group is wide, and who and we'll learn soon enough who their opponent will be on Friday night. Yeah. I do believe for yes. some time. Yeah. All right, that's uh, the news update as it stands right now. Uh, we're going to come back and preview this weekend's daily game against Wellington Phoenix. This is a Brisbane Football Review.
You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. In the barking in the background, that's also my dog, Pixie, who's uh, wanting to make her views on the Corey Brown move uh, known as well. Trixie, what do you think? Yeah. Our producer wasn't happy with that last segment, was she? She's now checking up on us, making sure we do things properly. Yeah, that's it. She does have the power to uh, cut off the recording just by <laughs> chewing through a cord. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, so we've got a four-voice show for this uh, fourth and final segment, and we're going to lead off with the news story. Yeah, there we go. We're going to lead off with a news story that uh, is going to precede the Raw's uh, A-League game against Wellington Phoenix, and that is the uh, Raw's... Uh, I forget what it's called. Legends that... Charity Game. Yeah, Legends Charity Game. So it was first announced by uh, Football Queensland last Wednesday while we were recording. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a Raw Legends against an NPL Select team uh, Saturday afternoon. Already confirmed, Matt Mackay, Matt Smith, Warren Moon, Michael Baird, John T. Richter and Enrique. They're going to be taking the field for the Raw Legends side. Yeah, look, uh, in support of Rural Aid, Rural Aid uh, and obviously, you know, given that's going on, and, and, you know, the ongoing sort of, you know, charity support for those affected by the bushfires. But yeah, this is going to be a very, very interesting uh, contest. It's going to be a lot of fun. Two, two by 20 minute halves, I think, because I think... Uh, That's all number, I've got no, in them, to be fair, most of them. <laughs> yeah, ex maybe uh, Matt Smith, who... Still running <laughs> and, around NPL. And, and Enrique yeah. as well. He'll be, he's preparing for Gold Coast Premier League stint this season. With but, uh, um, Steve McDonald down at Coomera Colts. Yeah, so look, but it'll be good to see a couple of these players you know, go around. There's a couple more names, I think, that will be that will be added, that will be announced over the coming days. Um, we might know a few. Yeah, there might be a couple of names we have mentioned. We won't, we yeah. won't. We'll leave that, leave we'll it leave to that. We'll leave that to yeah. the We're not going to spoil it's it. It's going to be a tremendous squad that mm. they're all putting together. It's going to be great to see a lot of these former, former legends of the past coming back and playing, albeit in a charity game to raise money for an important cause, but it's great to see them back in all seriousness. Yeah. The, the press conference yesterday where they had the, Matt Mackay, Matt Smith, John T. Richter, Michael Baird and Warren Moon all there was terrific it's to see some of those players back and it'll be, I'm sure they're all really looking forward to getting back out on Suncourt Stadium once again. Definitely. All right, let's hear uh, some audio from that press conference uh, that was on yesterday. It is good, um, obviously for a great cause. Um, Rural Aid has done the whole league and helping out. Um, the whole league's helping out, obviously, to, to support that. Um, yeah, it's been a, a tough few months for Australia and we do our little bit. Um, the Rural Legends. Um, but it is, it's great to get the Orange back on. Yeah, there's been a, an email trail gone out to try and get everyone together and they talked about having a training session. I think that will be down at the pub. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I've done any training for, for a few months now. So, um, But yeah, great crew. Um, you know, some guys that won championships and then, you know, some old friends that we, we started here 15 years ago. So it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's good for us to get back together, but ultimately um, hopefully raise uh, a lot of money for rural aid and, and all, those, um, all the people affected by the bushfires. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think Manny said it before. Yeah, it's um, you know, once you once you finish playing, I guess you could say, um, there's not many opportunities to like this to see some more friends and faces, and you know, so many memories. You know, whether or not it's past or present. So to to be to be back in here and share share the field again will be a great experience. Yeah, I think firstly we're really excited to play our part and contribute to a really good cause to. To help those affected by the bushfires, but uh, we were just talking before that uh, it's been a long time since we've stepped on this field as players. So um, whilst it's for a good cause, it'll be special to to be here with our mates and where it all started for us and um, and play a game once again at Suncorp. Yeah, it's uh, you know pretty special when you see some guys that you basically grew up with, and uh, you know we've asked Maddie and Maddie if uh, they'd let us touch their winners' medals. Um, so uh, it's probably the closest we're ever going to get to one. But um, no, nah, as I said, you know, we all know someone through someone who's been affected by, by these fires and, and what's going on around Australia. And, you know, we're not getting out there to these communities to do our bit. So hopefully this can help out a little bit in some way to, to raise some funds and bring a little bit of joy to some of these families that have really suffered. All right. So that is uh, some of the highlights from the press conference. You heard from Matt Mackay, Matt Smith, Warren Moon and John T. Richter there. And... Um, Look, I'm just going to repeat what we said last week as well. We're not going to put our organisational skills to the test trying to do any sort of charity fundraiser. We're just going to say, go to the Raw's social account, donate to that one. They've got the game-worn jerseys being bid on. Yeah, go to that one. That's the easiest 
way to put it. Some I great think. products in there as well. I think Robbie Fowler's got some signed boots in there as now as well, not just the Fun. player jersey. So, funnily enough, that's running second last time I checked. Is it really? <laughs> Who's, what's in front? Uh, Dylan Wenzel Hall's apparently. His oh. um, I, th- I think maybe a uh, certain uh, colleague of ours might be ramping uh, up the bidding on that. But uh, yeah, he's actually was the clubhouse leader. Fair enough. You're bidding heavily, are you, James? No, not him. No, are you kidding? I've got a ha- I've got a house and a car. <laughs> I can only donate so much. Yeah, but anyway, but um. I was going to say, I did see the joke that, um, yeah, Fowler's signed boots. The left one is quite heavily worn. The right one, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might think so. I couldn't possibly comment. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah, so that's the way to go um, for that, or at least we're, just, we're directing just, people. Just get on get on down on, on Saturday afternoon and see these legends run around, you know, and all, all for a good cause. I think that's a 2 p.m. kickoff as 2:10. well. 2.10. Gates open at 2. There we go. So I will be doing everything I can to get there by then and hopefully uh, Queensland Transport is a little bit organised and gets a few buses and trains there early enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, on the pitch, 4pm kickoff, Roar against the Knicks in the ABC game, or as we prefer to call it, the Wellington Phoenix Invitational time slot. <laughs> it's been the Brisbane Roar Invitational time slot the last couple of weeks, actually. They've had three or four games on there in the last month and a bit. Yes, that's right. So, don't look now, but the Roar are three unbeaten. As we were talking about in segment one, they're making just enough progress to give you cause for optimism. The only thing, though, Knicks are in great form themselves, aren't they? The Knicks are in fantastic form. Well, they, apart from Perth Blue, they might be the most informed team in the competition. And Sydney. The yeah, well, but Sydney, Sydney, are, are, Sydney Perth are and Wellington have really picked up picked up in the last few weeks. And this is a tough game for all because Wellington have been really impressive in the last few weeks. And they seem to be getting good results on the road as well. The heat doesn't seem to be bothering when they travel to Australia. I think it was a really warm afternoon down in Ballarat when they played Western United a couple of weeks ago. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue for them. I just think they're a really good side and they're well above all our expectations, that's for sure. Ufik Talley has done a phenomenal job picking up from what was left after Mark Rudin and half the squad departed. They've done a phenomenal job this year, Wellington Phoenix. I think what's most impressed me about them, they're playing smart football. Absolutely. Like, it might not be flashy, but it's good enough. They're getting the results, and they're a team that you really do have to worry about. Look, I think it, it's just a very, very well balanced team at the moment. Uh, everything at the moment, like you know, in defence, you've got you know Stephen Taylor, you know, sort of obviously you know really marshalling the troops. Obviously, Liberto Cacaccio, he's been in sensational form. He 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 may look like that. He he's got, obviously has got a bright future, but maybe a future away from the A League in Europe. He's but going even, to Bayern with Sarpreet Singh. But he, he might do. He why might not? do. Yeah. But he but even up front, Ulysses Davila, I think he might be the he may be the, the foreign foreign discoverer of the season because he has been he's been brilliant. And even um even uh, our friend Mr Hooper might. Yeah. Might he, he, Gary, Gary Hooper. I was about to mention yeah. Gary Hooper and David mm. Wall, the two English guys they brought in up front. They've started to have a real impact. I know Hooper mm. was a bit slower to get off the mark. He got and here David later. David Wall was rubbish in the FFA Cup. He was, he was him, hopeless at Perry Park. He has bounced back. He was hopeless at Perry Park. Right? And Hooper was playing a couple of weeks ago for Wellington in the, the New Zealand Premier League just to get <laughs> just to get a few minutes under his belt because he'd been on the bench lot in the A-League. They needed to get Imagine some turning up to a New Zealand from, Premier League. <laughs> oh, by the way, here's Gary Hooper. Yeah, exactly. It's from, bit, from, from Park Head to Lower Hut. Good luck to the New Zealand defence having to mark him, but <laughs> since he's, he wasn't dropped, it was just he needed game time. Oh, yeah, I know. And now that he's got getting more minutes in the A-League, he's having a big impact, and they're a really dangerous side. I, I think this is a really tough game for the Raw. Definitely. All right, two Raw things uh, quickly I want to touch on before we wrap this up. How much has well, the absence of Tom Aldred hurt the back line? He is missing uh, due to accumulation of yellow card suspension, so... Are they going to shift to a back four, or are they going to look to replace him in a back five? This is really fascinating. If we just talked about Corey Brown in the last segment, that could if he does come back to the Raw before Saturday afternoon, that he might very well be the player who comes in. You put Corey Brown at left back, Jack it goes to the right back, and then Scott Neville drops into the back three. That might be one way they go. Other than that, it's a toss-up between Aaron Reardon and Kai Truen. Well, Scott, and Scott a, Neville will be, be fit for that. That's, that's a, another question yeah. altogether. He did limp off with injury on Saturday, so that... Might open up the door anyway for a Kai Truen or an Aaron Ridden, but that's it's an interesting one because if Corey Brown signs, you imagine he might very well come straight in. Otherwise, I'd say Kai Truen might be the next one in line given he's been in, named in the squads more recently than Aaron Ridden has. Definitely. It seems like that's going to be the way it goes. Um, Kai Truen probably is the next cab off the rank for that centre-back spot, so you could see, what, you'd have Bowles... Neville, you shift Bowles to the middle if Truman comes yeah. into it. Yeah, Bowles, Neville, and uh, Gillespie, and 
Oh, look, I think this is this is an important game with uh, Tom Aldrea. I think um, Macaulay Gillespie, he has a real opportunity here to, to stand up and be counted as far as, you know, his value as far as an import player. He, obviously, he's, he's, sort of, he's, had, he's, he's had some decent games in recent weeks. He's been, he's been fairly solid, but this is a game where he really needs to step up in the absence of Tom Aldred and really marshal that, marshal that back line. Because if they don't, um, this, this Wallington Phoenix side is capable of putting the goals on. That's... So I think it's a really important game, um, especially for the defensive stocks of the Raw. Definitely. There's a lot to look forward to. Um, the other question, who else aside from Brad Newman is going to score for the Raw? It's a terrific question. This is one so of those games bit, where... No one else this decade has, have they? Yeah, I think you may be right, actually. This is one of those games, though, where you would really hope that they try and find a way to really go after you know, a guy like Luke Devere, who doesn't quite have the pace. You know, If they can bring in uh, Wenzel Halls off the bench or get Muradovic in behind them... That's probably the hole they're really going to have to go after. I think the answer to your question is the two Visa guys up front for the Raw. Holloway and, Holloway and O'Donovan. They were brought in to score the goals. They need to start scoring. They need, they, I don't think this is a Holloway game, though. Maybe I, I, not. Maybe O'Donovan comes in for Holloway, but I think that's the answer to your question. Who's going to score outside of, of, of him? And it's probably going to be happy with one of those two. You can't put that sort of pressure on Muratovic. Yeah. It's too soon to say you have to be the man to score all the goals. It's, I think it's going to be happy with one of those two. Or against Scott McDonald if he turns up. Definitely. By then, it's going to be one of those. All right, let's wrap this up. Adam, what are we going to be talking about this time next week? Uh, Nick's too good in the uh, in the Brisbane Heat. Scott, uh, Brisbane season hanging by a thread. I'm going. They've got to start picking up some wins. I'm going for a raw draw at Suncorp. I'm just going to assume there's some sort of VAR controversy one way okay. or another. We just hope it's in favour of the Brisbane Raw. We like VAR, we don't. We'll be up to no, we don't like VAR, but we'll take the favour. It depends we'll take the if we can get it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other uh, little side rant that we're not going to have time for. But no. I do love the pretzel twisting from uh, VAR on Twitter, where it's you know either they love it or hate it, depending on which club that it's just favoured. Anyway, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Scott. Yes, thanks, lads. Good to see you against James, Adam. Yep, we'll be back next Tuesday with a, another show where we're going to be recording that and then our NPL season preview as well before Adam ducks off overseas. You bet. Did we approve this holiday in season? I don't think we did. Well, at least I'm not going overseas this time, so you're not going to be left alone. You guys sound sound like my work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's it. All right, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Get to Suncorp Stadium Saturday afternoon if you get the chance. It's going to be a fantastic afternoon. And yeah, donate what you can to the Mm, fire and drought relief as well. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the football.